Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side, your friend with no end. Would be friend till the end. Sure. Your friend till the end. Your buddy. With silly putty. Thank you. (laughs) Just your guide. I, I just your guide. Your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, everybody. Today, we've got a great show for you. If you're out there and you are one of these uh, technophobes, if you're afraid, I guess, of technology, is that what it's called? Uh, Luddites? Yeah, sure. If you're a techno uh, wizard, if if you're an early adopter of technology... If you're one that thinks it's just a fad that's going to pass, today's the show for you. If you have children that would rather play with technology than talk to you, if you have dropped your phone ever in a toilet or a tub, today's the show for you. If you've sat on your phone while it was in your pocket and shattered your – what's it called? The, sh- the glass, the screen. This is your show. If you're Skyboy and you only – you don't have a phone and you think your belt has special magic powers, this is the show for you. Awesome. I fell into one of those categories. I'm trying to make it so everybody <laughs> that's listening can somehow relate. If you have grandchildren who never call on their technology. If you have more than three teeth. If you have- what does that have to do with technology? I'm just saying, if we're go- if we're making it general, if we're going to generalize this, yeah, that means babies aren't included. Okay, pretty much. If you have more, than well, three there's teeth. some people that don't have three teeth. I mean, that you know, some have more. That's some- fine. That's fine. If you have more okay. than three, but that's there's fine. some. I, mean, I feel bad for the few that don't have all the teeth. I mean, I just don't want anyone to feel excluded. If you aspire to have more than three teeth, if you think teeth are important. Whether you have them or not. If you would like more teeth than what you currently have. This is the show for you. (laughs) The psychology of technology. We're going to get into the fact that, you know what, the mere fact we're using all this technology, it's affecting our brains. And I've had had what may very well be – it was an epiphany. What what was going on? Or an epiphany, (laughs) depending how you pronounce it. It's like an EpiPen, but it's your rear It's an epiphany. But I've had it's an like epiphany. An epic fanny. <laughs> <laughs> I've had an epiphany because I, I've had a weird moment. Some of you who listen to the show regularly, all twelve of you, <laughs> you have probably heard me speak of a of a technological toy that I play with. It's an app. It's called Deer Hunter Twenty Fourteen. Another angel got wings. And or another animal was shot. No, another sponsor paid our bills. <laughs> if we were only sponsors, wouldn't that be great? If like, if you, you know, if you were, if you owned Deer Hunter 2014, it's been, it's been mentioned a lot on this show. So that bell is just a hypothetical that could have made us money if we were actually collecting money for anything that we did. <laughs> we're, we're saying, look how good we are at, if we had a sponsor. But we're not a for-profit organization, Please sponsor us. We're here to just bring you light 
and to cast out darkness from your lives. And we're doing it on technology today. Now, here's the deal. I've been playing this app. I won't name the name, but it, it's about a deer hunter in 2014. Close and enough. with this app, I had a weird moment because I was taking out some caribou. <laughs> I call it culling the herd. I was culling the herd of caribou. And somebody, one of my children, won't mention names, oversaw me culling the herd. And one of them said, hey, isn't that a reindeer? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> and I thought to myself, no, it's a caribou. Are, okay, are caribous reindeer? No. Are you sure? Reindeer are a real thing. I think I have a picture on my phone of a reindeer. Carib- nope. Caribou are different. Iowa animal. State Fair. But I think, I think reindeer come from the caribou... I'm sure they're cousins. Yes. I'm sure. Because the, the caribou I was shooting with my app seemed to look a lot like reindeer. Then it startled me and I thought, great, I've ruined Christmas. Grandpa, old person voice. Sad old person voice. Yeah. So let's just get that clear. Well, and um, Sky's looking it up. And so uh, after Sky looks it up, we'll then actually have to go to Bryce. Is that a reindeer? To look it up officially. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think that's a reindeer. But a reindeer is not a caribou. Let's be clear. Yeah. That's the clarity I need. obviously not a caribou. That's a reindeer. Okay. Sure. I I agree. (laughs) Matt, we've actually um, actually wanted to uh, bring this up. Um, Yeah. We're not sure Deer Hunter 2014 is good for you. Uh, We're not sure if it's really (laughs) adding something to your life. Whole. If, is it adding you're saying we, like you've talked We, to as in me and Merritt talked about this earlier, even though Merritt isn't here. Well, where's Merritt? Uh, she's taking care of business. I bet she's on Deer Hunter 2014. I doubt it, but... I think you're just dumb. Matt, the show <laughs> is an intervention. Are we having an intervention? Yes. <laughs> am, I, am I in my own intervention? <laughs> you are. You're actually hosting your own intervention. That's wow. the weird part. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show, my intervention. <laughs> Why? Because I I don't have major problems with it. Um, I've bought every gun on earth. Uh, I've killed every animal there is to kill. Uh, I mean, hypothetically. I mean, not. I mean, in 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 a dramatic view. I mean, I didn't really kill any animals. Oh, all the animals are fine. And I I hardly play it. Three hours a day. <laughs> hey, all things considered, that's an eighth of a day. It's not a major portion of your day. It's not when you think about it. And luckily, it's just my free time when I could have been with my family. <laughs> and families, they're always around, so, you know. I don't have a problem. I have a disorder. I mean, this isn't unheard of. <laughs> On more than one occasion, Merritt has picked show topics and stuff yeah. that clearly she's trying to say something to yeah. us. Like like the show where it was like getting more organized and then planning ahead and yeah. then, uh, and then like, uh, you know, appreciating employees. Yeah. We're like... Merit. Merit. Well, and then how about the one about delusional people that believe they're superheroes? I mean, who's that for? Uh, <laughs> did we have that show? Yeah. Uh, maybe that's still in the works. Oh, no. that's We had it. We had that? Okay. Yeah. I don't think that's a really important topic. Of course you know? not. <laughs> it's about you. So um, I really don't have a problem with it. I so, could quit anytime so, I run out of energy. Says the, says the uh, addict. <laughs> says no, I'm the, really good. As soon as I'm out of energy. But uh, here is the deal. I really do want to move to zombies. I want to start blowing some heads off some zombies. Did you see the Halloween special? I did, but I don't have a pistol strong enough to kill it. If you go to the first 
uh, world or whatever, the first area. Oh. You can, you can do it without a pistol. Oh, okay. That's yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't want to start buying pistols. Yeah. Nah. Pistols are lame. And we're just talking shop. Um, so I'm going to move to zombies. But they're zombie deers and zombie wolves, so it's combining the best zombie of two wolf? worlds. Oh, that's great. So the ones we've killed, the animals we've killed are now are coming, now coming back. back. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me that's not going to mess me up. On the show today, we're going to teach you about the psychology of technology. It's not bad, right? So don't be afraid of it. You can hate it all you want, or you can learn how to not catch what we call the eye disorder. Eye, like internet disorder. Like the Apple devices. Yeah, like the iMac, the iPad, the eye disorder. Because apparently we're disordered. Apparently we've got problems. Actually, you want some stats on that? Yeah. Okay, here's some fun stuff. 58% of U.S. smartphone owners check their phones at least every hour. What? 58%? Nearly 60? Six out of 10. That's messed up. Check it every hour. You check it when you sit on it. I don't think that's weird, actually. You don't? Well, hold I on. Just, I have a lot of people. I don't have a smartphone. I know. Let's I have not. an ancient Hannah, flip phone. Hannah, your phone... You don't. I know why you don't check it because you're disgraced. No, I check. I check my phone. But if people, because I don't know, I just feel like a phone is for people to contact you. Bryce, was that but from a survey? That's because I don't have an iPhone. So. That's so or, old fashioned. Or can they like phone track for- that? Um, it's from Huffington Post. Why are you worried? You like look. You like worried. Like, <laughs> hold on. They, do, 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 do they are know? they following me? <laughs> Yeah, they're tracking you, man. Can they? Do well, they, do well they we know, know the NSA is tracking you, but you know, whatever. Yeah, can they tell that we're checking our phones? No. They can I tell know. everything you're doing on it's, your phone. Well, I know Santa can, and they report it to your them. mother. See, that's what I was afraid of. Santa knows when you're sleeping. He also knows when you're checking your phone and not paying attention whenever, to what you should be doing. Uh, Which is, and Santa needs to mind always. his own business. Okay, Santa does need to mind his own business. Santa does, or I'm going to start shooting his reindeer. He hasn't sent me a gift in years, but he's still keeping tabs on me. I don't like that. All right, <laughs> creepy. What are some other stats? Um, seventy-three percent of people admit they would feel panicked, while another fourteen percent would feel desperate if they lost their phone. Oh, for sure. Which even still, I think that's kind of on the one hand, not even not even like the contacting people, just like oh my gosh, two hundred dollars just disappeared. That's how I would feel. Yeah, yeah. I, I've left my iPad on top of my trunk of my car and drove away. How far did you get? Well, I drove miles, <laughs> but my iPad only made it a few feet, and then someone picked it up, and then I freaked out for half a day and cried and mourned and then my son called and says so did you lose your ipad and i'm like yeah and he's like i'm tracking it right now and he told me where it was it was in some field so i pulled up to the field and it started moving (laughs) i didn't see it and then i started he says here and then they told me how to find it and i tracked my i followed my ipad as it made its way back to my neighborhood someone had my ipad and then I sent a message, said, dude, halt, stoppeth thou, and pulleth over, and give me my iPad. And then he called. I've got your iPad. Found it in the road. Anyway, that's my story. The good, end. Good story. I, I, think I freaked. <laughs> a lot of those statistics seem like, I don't know, they seem normal to me, but some of the other ones we, we found were Pretty weird. About people's, like, obsession with phones? Yeah. 40% of iPhone users would give up their toothbrush for a week before their phone. Definitely. That's disgusting. No. (laughs) I would hate that. We'd all hate that. (laughs) Um, that 83% of iPhone users said other iPhone users would make the best romantic partners. 
True that. <laughs> Maybe I'm just I'm meant to not date. You don't want to. You don't want to have an iPhone dating an Android. I mean, that sounds wrong. I mean, if they want to use your phone, they won't yeah, know how to. Like, and then how will oh, you get great. along? Then I got to explain that. Yeah. I wonder if that's ever been an issue with people. Oh, I bet. I know my parents both got the same phone for the sole reason that they could hand yeah. that phone over and then they knew how to knew you know, how kind of work. Plus, how do you merge your plans when you get married? I mean, it's a problem. Plus, you Life know what? Life is so hard. Right. Uh, yeah, no. People with androids, don't they get more infections? <laughs> uh, no. I don't know if they're called infections. They get more viruses. They're, you know, come on. They don't get the eye disorder. True, Dad. That's a good point. So I think they win. Uh, says the girl with a phone from the 70s. <laughs> Hannah Montana. It's not that old. No, it's from okay. the 70s. It was the first flip phone ever invented. Yeah? Yeah. Have you guys seen that new phone that's like you like add the parts you want? What's it called? The block phone. The block phone. Oh, a, like a Lego phone. <laughs> no, I yeah, used to make Lego that's, phones that's really when I was a kid. I think, I think like if you want like a specific feature... You can buy that block and add it to your phone. Are you serious? That's cool. And, and, don't and the rumor run. is so, – so they released the video and it just looked like some guy was just putting it out there. And now Motorola has followed up and they're saying like, oh, hey, we're doing this. And so everyone's kind of like, Motorola, did you release that and act like it wasn't yours so everyone would make fun of it but talk about it? And then you could bring it up later and act like you had a good but idea. you just keep adding like – Girth to the phone. You just keep adding more. Yeah. So let's say pieces to your phone. Let's say you get it, and then like your the battery. You know, batteries kind of degrade over time. Yeah. You could get a new battery, but Toss you don't it, have to like get a new battery. Yeah. You know, just pull the battery. Upgrade part out. your memory or whatever. Yeah. That's yeah. So cool. that's Upgrade Matt brings up a good point, though. What if you want more than there's space to have? Does your phone just keep getting bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger? Yeah. Huge. Because I don't sure. like big phones. I think if your phones get bigger, your pockets have to get bigger. And then, you have, to, then you have to buy new pants. Right. And it's I, think, just... I, I think how it works is you buy a screen of a certain size, and then you just try and fit the right blocks on the back that fit with what you want. Do you see that we actually care? This is messed up. Hey, you know what? I think that'd be cool. I think we just proved right there that I'm not the one with the technology problem. So how, who does have how the problem? Did, how did we prove that? Because you just talked about a block phone for, what, two minutes while I just sat there. And took well, okay. You want, to know, you want to know how you should know if you have a problem? Okay. Yes, I do. Okay. Here's some questions you can ask yeah, yourself I'm ask or your, your friends. Just ask them and I'll go through them in my mind. This is really what we're asking Matt okay, all okay. the time. I'm ready. 20 do bucks you, he says it out loud. All right. It's not in his mind. Do you regularly use screens when you wake up or go to bed? <laughs> Matt. I cannot answer that question. <laughs> We, we, so we, we have lots of evidence of Matt sending all of us stuff for the to next yeah. show yeah. at like 1230 at night. So, uh, That's yes. when I wake up with an epiphany. So, uh, Matt, speaking of, have you ever – oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Fun statistic before I get to this one. Um, during religious services at a house of worship, 9% of participants check their phones. Okay? Hold on to that. Next That's where question. That's my scriptures are, by the way. Um, have you ever lied about how much technology you use? No. According to this survey, yes. Yes, I have. Okay, you got me. Because any uh, religious service I've been to covered yeah. in everyone using technology. We, yeah. We're a bunch of liars. Liars. Anyway. We've proven that on the show. Big some, fat liars. Some lie more than others. I wouldn't go to their weight. You don't need to throw their weight out there. Um, just it's just we don't need to call them fat. Just say right? just big should, liars. Just liars. Big liars. Yeah. Not overweight liars. No, I mean, not everyone's overweight. Some not are everyone. little skinny liars. Some are skinny liars. Yeah. Uh, right there. <laughs> no, one more question: Do you put the purchase of tech ahead of your other financial responsibilities? 
How many times have we said, oh, well, I mean, yeah, it's $400 for a phone, but like I only do it like once every two years. Or like, so what's the big deal? Sure. The kids could have surgery or we could all upgrade our phones. Like we could get the kids glasses so they quit running into stuff yeah. or smartphones. Yeah. But if he had a smartphone, he could actually just look at it off the phone. Or he could get the Google glasses. What are those called? Ah, yeah. yeah. Then you're combining yeah. both. I do. I, I don't do that. I My kids, when they need surgery, we get them surgery. <laughs> surgery comes first in the Townsend house. <laughs> How often do they need surgery at your house? That's kind of private. Okay. Sorry. I have a feeling it's so far so good. Yeah. We're healthy. I think we've got some eye disorders. Eye, letter I, disorders. We have people... Who are technologically caught up in this whole thing. And I think it's changing us. I think it's changing how patient we are or impatient, how long we'll wait for something or we won't wait, what we expect. Anyway, we even think we can go hunting. Skyboy thinks he can kill zombie animals. It's a disorder. We're talking about it. Technology and the psychology of technology. The next couple hours right here on the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about the psychology of technology. You know, Americans are addicted. We use technology like it's a Skittle. Which we're feeding Skyboy right now. Keep his sugar levels up. Taste the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. Um, our own Bryce. Uh, what? Come on, get a middle name. Get a middle uh, name. Think about it. Think about it. Lulu. Uh, Tobin. Hmm. That always has to be an L, doesn't it? BLT. Sometimes he did A. Sometimes. Bat. Uh, <laughs> Bryce has put together a little bit for us. Um, talking about, I guess, it seems like you think that we say we don't like technology, but we eat it up like it's a Skittle. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. I don't think we humans really know what we want. The laws of motion and thermodynamics pretty much say that in this universe, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Everything always has a cost. So then why do we think dealing with our electronics would be any different? I think it's because we need electronic validation. The first big contradiction is in human behavior. It's no secret that people don't like each other. The further we are from each other, the better we seem to get along. But once we get some exposure to the way it feels to be validated by another person, we always want it. We like to act tough, but we want everyone to tell us when we're doing something good. The second big contradiction is the wanting to get away from your device. We like to think that our phone or laptop is like an anchor constantly dragging us down or holding us back. So we like to make a big deal to the people around us about turning our phone off or putting our laptop away when we get home from work. But let's analyze this. If you're home, you're probably within 30 feet of the people who'd most likely try to get a hold of you via some device. The next group of people most likely to contact you are the people from work. But they aren't at work, same as you. And most people are asleep from 11 to 6 in the morning. So when you turn everything off, there's about a five-hour window where nobody important is likely to attempt to contact you. Just so brave. But do you remember what happened the last time you left your phone at home? You panicked, didn't you? You do the same thing I do. You reach into your phone's usual pocket, realize it isn't there. You check your other three pockets, and that's when the panic sets in. Suddenly you're worried about everything at work. And your family, what about them? What if one of them gets into a car wreck? 
Then a few hours later, you find your phone. A euphoric relief sets in as you realize everything is still right with the world, even though your phone totally bothers you all the time. And the third big contradiction happens when we complain that we're getting so many texts, emails, or notifications from any number of sources, and how we can't get any peace, when really what we're doing is we're saying, oh my gosh, I can't handle all my popularity. Then again, Saturday evening rolls around and we'll grab our phone or computer and find that nobody tried to get a hold of us. No notifications, no unread emails, no texts patiently waiting to be answered, no missed calls. Then we'll get these feelings of isolation and worthlessness. Aw, it's been 12 hours and nobody acknowledged my existence. Wait, but I thought your popularity was annoying you. Shouldn't that mean you want to be ignored for a little bit? So do you see what I mean? When it comes to technology, we want to have our cake and eat it too. We want to villainize it, but at the same time we want it there to give us that electronic validation that we crave. And you know what? We can't have it both ways. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Okay, so uh, I think you're on to something here. We hate it, but we love it. Well, it's like oatmeal. It's kind of like that girl you liked in first grade. And so you wanted to let her know how much you you appreciated her so and you how beautiful her she was. Hit her. Yeah, so you punched her in the mouth. Like, mm, That's rude. Mixed messages. We do give mixed messages. Like, uh, you guys don't go to bed with your phone, is what we tell our kids. But the minute they walk out the door, don't forget your phone. Don't, don't. Make sure Call you have us it. before you get home. So our phone's bad or our phone's good? I don't think it's the phone that's either. I think it's the human using the phone. Yeah, right. We got to. See, I just went philosophical. You did. It's not. It's just a technology. Come on, man. It's, it's like a, a mug. Yeah. It's like a, it's just like a cup. Are cups good or bad? I don't know. If, Depends if what you put in it. You a, a, yeah. If you put poison in it. If someone throws a cup at you, bad. Terrible. Actually, mugs, very bad. Bad. Heavy. If someone is giving you cider on Halloween Eve. Have you had wassail? Ah, oh, great lady. <laughs> uh, she's incredible. She's a singer, songwriter. Oh, that's Sissel. That's Sissel. different. No, if, I mean, if we're getting near Halloween and stuff. Wassail. Yeah. Wassail. Who hasn't had wassail? What's wassail again? It's like it's like cider. It's like orange. It's, it's like orangey, appley, mm. cidery. I want that. They only have it out here past the Rockies. Oh, really? They don't really. It's not really a thing. My my sister in Nebraska. I had to buy some here and take it to yeah. her so that she could have. some. We call that importing. Importing. You had to import it into Smuggling. Nebraska. <laughs> Smuggling across it's, state lines. Wassel's good. So it's like wassel, but. You know, sometimes we like it, but then, you know, in the middle of summer, cold. let it go. Yeah, it's no too hot. No more wassail. But wassail's great seasonally. Technology, great always. If, I guess, we aren't having an eye disorder. Or if we're using it right. Yeah. That's why we had a pro come in to talk about it. Not that you guys aren't pros, because you are. In my eyes, you are. Dr. Larry Rosen is going to be joining us. He is going to actually, he wrote the book called Eye Disorders. So he's going to walk us through. This is the letter I. This isn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the I, like... Lowercase I, I. iPhone, yeah. You keep going, yeah, because you're going to be a doctor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the thing about you being a doctor, by the way, you're going to love your phone because you're going to download all of those tools that doctors use. I could probably just download the surgery app and like have it WebMD. Do for me. Oh, Will yeah. I even have to do surgery then? Well, you'll just, yeah, you'll just do it on your phone. From a different room. You could probably just wake up, start surgery right there while you're in your jammy. <laughs> Be so nice. I could do surgery from home. Oh, great. You know what? 
that's scary. You doing surgery on someone <laughs> in another state while you're in your jammies. Wi-Fi's down. Oh, uh, oh boy, we bad. lost the patient. Oh, bad. No, see, that's a disorder. So we're going to talk to the real pro. Dr. Larry Rosen is going to be joining us. He uh, is the author of the book, Eye Disorders. Uh, and he's going to teach us, you know, technology is probably not all that bad, but it, it is impacting us. He's going to walk us through the impact it has on our psyche, our relationships, and, uh, you know, even how our kids are being impacted by it as well. We're going to take a break, come back with Dr. Larry Rosen right after this break. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Is technology driving you crazy? Is it making you, uh, you know, more anxious, more impatient? Do you see that it's impacting your ability to, you know, have a relationship? Do you wake up in the morning, you roll over to your sweet little honey, and she's got her iPhone out? (laughs) And all you see is this blue glow. Oh, you see her, her silhouette? Yeah. Used to be there was no silhouette, just darkness now a blue glow and my wife making memes my wife has turned into a memeinator she makes memes all morning long it's great happy morning it is we used to talk we used to frolic in the garden well at least you don't have to deal with her morning breath she's making memes in the morning on her phone instead of breathing in your face that's true who's got the worst morning breath depends depends okay good answer thank you very politically correct. Let's go to the pros. Uh, Dr. Larry Rosen is joining us. He is a professor and past chair of the psychology department at California State University, Dominguez Hills. Uh, he is also recognized as an international expert in the psychology in psychology of technology. He's written five books, including Eye Disorder, uh, his latest, Understanding Our Obsession with Technology and Overcoming Its Hold on Us. That's what we're talking about today. He also is uh, the technology uh, column writer for the newspaper The National Psychologist and a regular blogger for the magazine Psychology Today. He's been on seen on Good Morning America, NPR, CNN, has four children, lives in San Diego. You can find out more information at, uh, by just going to DrLarryRosen.com. Dr. Rosen, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks for having me, and thanks for the bizarrely interesting and funny introduction. Isn't it weird, but good? Yeah, we just grab stuff here and there. Some of it may not even belong to you. Uh, okay. With a great introduction, probably one of the best. Good. Good to have you on the show, Larry. And really, when I think about this, I mean, we, we need experts that can come and help us because it seems like every parent out there knows their kids are they're, they're changing with this use of technology. They, they notice things are different. Like now the car is quiet. You know, no one's fighting. They're all kind of ignoring each other. Um, but... Is this a problem? Is technology, from a researcher and a psychologist's point of view, and a chair of a psychology department, for heaven's sakes, do we need to be worried about the impact it's having? I do believe we do, although I have to preface everything by saying that that on balance, I think it's fairly even. I think that the good and the bad are on a teeter-totter that are at about level right now. Okay, yeah. I think... We may be headed for that one side to fall down 
because we all seem to be coming, be becoming quite obsessed yeah. with our technology. And particularly, this seems to have escalated once we started carrying smartphones. Really? I guess it's just, is it the portability? Is that what it is now? Everyone's got one and it's, it's in our pocket. Well, it's, it, the World Wide Web used to be www for the yep. World Wide Web. It's now whatever, whenever, wherever. That's true. Because we do have this device that's more powerful than most computers that we've had in the last five to seven years. Right. And we can, we can see this so obviously. There's one behavior that shows us how obsessed we've become. And I will ask you, have you ever experienced it when you feel that your pocket is vibrating? Oh, yeah. Every grab day. Grab your phone and you look intently waiting for that alert, that notification, and you notice that there's nothing there. Uh, yeah, that phantom. Isn't that a phantom pain that amputees yep. suffer? Yes, it's very similar, and it's called phantom pocket vibration syndrome. That is so it messed up. It has a name, and it's been studied. Yeah. And it's very interesting because probably five years ago, if you felt that same exact tingling, what you would have done is reached down and scratched the itch. Right. Because that's really what it is. It's the neurons firing... It's a little itch. You can scratch it. You can stop the neurons from firing. Poof, you're done. Yeah. Now we've all of a sudden translated this into, uh-oh, this is an alert. I have to pay attention. Yeah. We, we now set alerts that interrupt us constantly. And even when they're not, they're phantoming us. But we still feel the need to look at it. That's right. And all of our research shows that people are looking at their smartphone every 15 minutes or less, all day long, and for many of them, all night long, too. You're kidding. Every about 15 minutes, on average, you're saying, is, is how often we're looking. Yes, particularly younger people. And by younger, I'm saying anybody under about 40. That's what it shows. Wow. So, oh, man. And I can also tell you that if we don't let you do that, if we stop you from yeah. taking your phone, you get highly anxious. That is, it's true. Like if you if you know your phone ran out of battery or whatever, you're worried. Right. Or if you left it at home, oh. you will turn around and drive any amount of time home to get that phone. <laughs> We're okay. So we know that side of it. I, I guess is turning into an addiction, an, an obsession. Addiction obsession is different. Okay. And it, it's interesting. It's a fine distinction, but it's very interesting because an addiction is where you do an activity to get a burst of chemicals in your brain, neurotransmitters, okay. that we feel, make us feel pleasure. Yeah. And those are primarily serotonin and dopamine. And that's, for example, somebody's addicted to gambling, that's what they're looking for. This checking behavior is very different. We're checking not to get pleasure because we don't seem to get a lot of pleasure out of it. What we're checking is to reduce anxiety. Oh, that is so sad. <laughs> That is a totally different neurotransmitter. I mean, we all get the we all get the hey, give me a pleasure burst. We we're, I mean, we're eating Skittles right now for that very reason. However, well, but but burst. but to have the just to just to have to do it to get rid of the the anxiety, that's like we're behind the game now. Now well, it's, and it's, catch it's very up. interesting and I I want to tell you about a, a fascinating study that we just did with college students. Um, we brought 160, 170 college students into a large auditorium. Half of them funneled through one door, and we gave them instructions, said, go find a seat, um, put your books underneath your desk, uh, turn your phone off. But you can keep it under your desk. The other half, they came in the other door, and <laughs> they were told, take your books, put them under your desk. By the way, give us your phone. Oh, we'll man. Give you a claim check, and you can get it at the end of the study. 
And what we told them was just sit tight and wait. You can't talk to anybody. You can't read anything. You can't do anything. You just must sit there. And every 20 minutes we measured their anxiety. How, how did you measure it? Um, there's this pretty standard self-report measure where you're mm-hmm. just filling it out, which is actually interesting because even self-report, we're getting self-reported anxiety. Yeah. But let me tell you what happened. So we measured them at 10 minutes later, 30 minutes later, and 50 minutes later, so almost an hour into it. Yeah. Right? And then 20 minutes after that. Those people who really weren't heavy smartphone users showed no change in anxiety over the hour-plus time that they were there. Those who were heavy smartphone users their anxiety skyrocketed, oh, and man. even self-report, even them yeah. filling out a little silly questionnaire where they tell us how anxious they are, skyrocketed. Is and we stopped the study because we didn't want them to get too anxious. Oh, yeah, that is... So we have this thing that didn't even exist 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and it's now causing such anxiety for us. That, that right. is what you call the eye disorder. That is right. It is, a, it is an anxiety-based disorder that shows up as a, a variety of kinds of real psychological disorders. It can show up as OCD, obsessive-compulsive disorder. It can show up as ADHD, lack of ability to attend. It can show up as narcissistic personality disorder, mm. depression, mania, all sorts of things. It just masks itself in a technology. That's right. And it's due to the way we, not the technology itself, but no. the way we're relating yeah. to it. That's it. It's the relationship to this technology. I mean, do, do some people just not get obsessive? Yes. Yes. There are, there are a cadre of people who don't obsess about it. Um, for under the young people, it's very, it's very limited. It's about, you know, maybe between 20% and 25%. Why would they not? Is it just not in their nature? Um, I think, the, you know, in our studies, we talk to them and we ask them why, and they say they just, either one of two things. They say they, they look around them and see how people are obsessed and they don't want to be that way. Okay. Or they just don't find it fitting in their life. Hmm. So often they're, they're not um, married with kids that they need to constantly check in on. Right. Um, they're not working. They might be college students, for example. A lot of the students, a lot of the studies are from college students. Um, but but everybody else seems to be obsessed. Constantly. <laughs> True. Like I mean, if you look at just your numbers, seventy-five, eighty percent are probably going to be having issues with it. And then you're saying it, they might also be manifesting. So if they go get diagnosed, they might be diagnosed by a, a counselor as having a social anxiety, when really they may just have an eye disorder and a, a, a technology disorder. That's true. And and basically the the eye disorder is really an accumulation of of all of the problems that the technology is causing us. Because, I mean, like I see with my own kids, their ability to focus and concentrate is not great. And some of that's my, my fault. I gave them bad genes. And, um, but, no, but I think it's the technology's fault. Oh, they use it all the time. That's right. And, in fact, one of the things that we study is attention and focus. And, in fact, the next book I'm working on is on, on our distracted minds. So let me tell you what happens. Yeah. We, we went into homes um, of high school kids, middle school kids, and college students. And we told them, very simple, we'd like you to study something important for 15 minutes, something very important for a test. And we gave them examples for a test, reading for a report, whatever it is that you think is the most important thing on your list right now to do. And we're going to be watching. And we gave them some time to get used to us, and then we sat behind them and watched and we asked them, actually, we looked every minute 
to see if they were doing what they said they were going to do, which right. is studying, or if they were doing something else. Guess how long they were able to focus before being distracted? Okay. Uh, a minute. About three minutes. Okay. About three. Wow. And the biggest distractors, really two, text messages coming in mm -hmm. or sent out, and social media. Those were the two biggest distractors. And we patterned our study after another study that looked at people who were actually working in the business world, and they show the same thing. Their biggest distractors turn out to be email more than, than anything else. Yeah. But even medical students studying in a medical library show the same pattern, about three to five minutes of focus, distraction, three to five minutes of focus, distraction. How deep can you get into anything? No, right. I mean, three to five minutes. Well, and it almost makes you wonder what is the consequence of so many interruptions. We, we don't even really fathom the impact this will have on us 30 years from now. Yeah, right? I'm actually concerned about the impact that it's going to have on us right now. Yeah. Because we start to see um, a lack of ability to communicate effectively. Yeah. Um, we start to see more shallow kind of thinking rather than deep thinking. And um, I talk a lot to parent groups and, and educators about this. And these are the things that worry me yeah. in the long run. Well, is, again, technology not bad? It's just our relationship to it is not quite what it needs to be. Is that what you're saying? Yes. We, we need to learn how to relate differently to this box that we carry with us all the time. And then, then there's some simple strategies that you can use. One is don't sleep with it next to the bed. Yeah. Because we find, believe it or not, in, in one of our studies of sleep, of young people, teenagers and young adults, 75% sleep with the next to the bed either on or on vibrate. Yeah, oh yeah. And this is one of the major predictors of a lousy night's sleep. <laughs> and if you get a lousy night's sleep, what we know from brain chemistry is your brain spends a lot of time at night sort of remembering what you learned during the day and consolidating the good stuff and throwing out the bad stuff, and it can't do that if you're constantly interrupting it. Wow. I mean, I've had, I've had somebody accidentally call me at 2.30 in the morning, and it's probably because they rolled over on their phone. <laughs> and I'm like, Sky, or what, Sky Boy, my board op here, he calls me all the time now at 3.30 in the morning when he just is – because he puts his phone in his jammies. It's embarrassing. We'll have very, him call you. Very bad strategy because <laughs> you just, you're, you're really torturing your brain at a time when it's supposed to be doing – a tremendous amount of placekeeping during yeah. the night. That's it. That's what it's doing. Huh? It's kind of reorganizing your your stuff, your content, your thoughts. That's right. And it's very critical that it happens in exactly the pattern that it's supposed to happen, where you go into deeper and deeper and deeper sleep, and then you dream, and then you go again into deeper and deeper sleep, and then you dream. That pattern is there for a reason. Yeah. It's there to make your brain more functional. And if you're constantly checking your phone in the middle of the night, or you wake up you know, and you roll over and you see that you got a text, that's going to get your brain working again and it disrupts the whole sleep cycle. Well, your whole life is now disrupted because you had to receive somebody's Facebook update that they just took a picture at Disneyland. That's right. And your life's now been distorted for a day or more. Wow. We're talking with uh, Dr. Larry Rosen, who is uh, the author of the book, Eye Disorder, Understanding Our Obsession with Technology and Overcoming Its Hold on Us. Awesome book. Go to his website, drlarryrosen.com, and you can uh, see all of his books. He's got some great books, I think, just for kids. We'll come back and talk 
more about some other books. Well, we'll focus on this one, but Rewired is another one that I think if you're a parent, you might want to go look at that one. Uh, DrLarryRosen.com. Check it out. We'll be taking a break, coming right back with him, getting more ideas, more tools, strategies for overcoming and avoiding an eye disorder. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking psychology of technology. We have the author of the book, uh, Eye Disorder, Understanding Our Obsession with Technology and Overcoming Its Hold on Us. Dr. Larry Rosen is joining us. He, uh, you know, he he's not just doing this as a researcher, past professor, psychologist. He's also a dad, right? Four children. He's going to have grandchildren. And apparently the way we're going, they're all going to have eye disorders. And well, so, I have a grandchild. And what's really interesting is from a very early age, it was very clear that the iPad and the iPhone are very attractive to kids. They're attra- yeah, they're, yeah, they're drawn to it. And they're so drawn to it that, that at one point... Um, I tried to put it away in my pocket, and she grabbed it back out. And when it wasn't there, she found a box that an iPhone came in, and she started playing with the box itself. Really? I mean, it, you know, you you got to appreciate that that Apple has Apple and other companies have created amazingly engaging technology. Yeah. And it's it's pretty engaging to a one year old. Well, isn't that interesting? I mean, it's like. I see my kids playing on it, and it's so intuitive to how they think now. I mean, we had to learn how to use it. They just seem it just it's now their operating system. Well, you know, it's funny because technology like that is a tool to us. We look at it as what we can do with it. They don't look at it as a tool. They look at it the same way we look at air. You don't walk outside yeah. and breathe and go, "Oh, there's air." And let there's air, right? Day, and it's a bad air day, but. <laughs> They think of technology the same way. It's literally an appendage to them, hmm. part of them. And so they don't question it. No. I mean, it, it is. It is. There, yeah. But it, you're right. It just is. Oh, it wow. Exists. They expect it to be there. It's there to answer questions, which, again, some of them, it's really great. I mean, they, can, they don't really have to memorize a whole lot of facts anymore because they know that they can find the answer in Two seconds and two taps. Well, and isn't that, I mean, how many times have I seen that in my own life where normally, you know, back in the day, if you heard a good quote or found a good quote, you would just, you'd print it, you'd keep it, you'd store it. Now it's like, eh, I remember that one. Okay, that was from Viktor Frankl. Let's get back to the, ah, I can find that. We just, we just, now we just know it's accessible. That's right. That's right. And But what do we end up forgetting because of it? It is available, though, all the time to answer our questions, which is very valuable. Yeah. And if you have a question about anything you think of, why is the sky blue, you can type that into Google and it'll give you an answer. Um, Kids can get answers to any questions, which is why we're starting to see a big influx of these kind of portable devices in the classroom. Yeah. Because they're great question answers. They're great stimulators, engagers. I watched a group of fourth graders the other day in a classroom, and they'd gone out and they'd taken their iPads because it's an iPad program. They'd taken pictures in the forest of different things, and then they were highlighting them on their screens. They wow. were annotating it. 
and they were engaged. You could see how excited, and they were sharing what they were doing with each other. It was very exciting. Yeah. And that's the upside, obviously. That's the side that's the, not the eye disorder side. Yeah, that's the, the what a great benefit, blessing to the world side. Um, is there a downside? It seems like I'm not sure that our brains were meant to have as much, well, I mean, as many interruptions, A, but we also, we don't know how to prioritize the data. All this data is not equally valuable. That's right. And part of what, one of the things that I talk a lot to teachers about all over the place is that we need to start teaching what I call media literacy at a very young age. And literally, at the first time you give a kid a phone to play with, you have to start talking to them at their developmental level, obviously, but you have to start talking to them about what is appropriate, what's inappropriate, because just because you've got a screen between you and the rest of the world doesn't mean you can spout off and say anything you feel like because you're human beings at the other end. Just because you read on a website about something doesn't mean that it's a valid piece of information. It's up to you to figure out whether that's good or bad. And so there's, there's a lot of issues that you can talk to kids about from a very young age about how to effectively use these tools. Um, and one of the ways, of course, is to teach them how not to be so distracted. Yeah, how, okay, give us some ideas on that, because that okay, seems well, we, like the hardest. Yeah, it is difficult, I have to tell you. Yeah. And, and, um, but I'll give you a couple of my tips for how to do it. One is called a technology break, or a tech break for short. And I use this when I talk to kids, particularly high school and middle school kids but also college students, too. And I say, look, how many of you study with your phone right next to the computer where you're doing your homework? And everybody raises their hand. Um, In fact, most people now carry their phone in their hand, even when they're studying. They have their phone in their hand, not just next to them, because if it's in your hand, you can really feel it vibrate. Right. You'll never miss anything. That's right. You will not miss anything. If it's in your pocket, you might miss it. If it's next to you, you might miss it. So what I tell them to do is... To, to literally give yourself one minute to look at every communication venue that you have on your phone, on your computer, everywhere. That means text people you need to text, check Facebook, check Instagram, check whatever social media you're on, and then turn your phone on to silent. Get rid of all the websites that are communication-based. Not just minimize them, get rid of them, close yeah. them down, because otherwise you get those notifications. Right. And then set your alarm on your phone for 15 minutes. When the alarm goes off, give yourself a minute again to check. Now, if a minute doesn't work for you, if you need a little more, you can make it two. It's flexible. Love that. But but then go for 15 minutes again and keep doing this until it becomes comfortable. Then what you do is lengthen the 15 to 20. And then after a while, the 20 to 25, the 25 to 30. I think if you can get to 30 minutes of focus where you're not worrying about what you're missing out on, I think that's pretty incredible. That is. You can get a lot of work done in 30 minutes of focus, probably way more than you ever got done in two hours of constant distraction. What if you die in between while you're waiting? Because <laughs> that's, that's exactly what my kids are threatening me. Dad, I'll die. Uh, right. So I just need an answer. Anxiety. If, yeah, if they die, I guess we were wrong. Well, the interesting thing is, is that, that this, this tech break is designed to teach them that they're not going to die. Yeah, you'll be fine. If they're not the first person to like somebody's comment or the first person to post a comment to somebody else's status update or to comment on a picture, they're not going to be looked at as lesser than. I love that. Part of it is they think that it's so important to be the first and that they may miss out on something. MTV actually called it F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. Yep. And it is a true 
malady that we are facing. We talk to kids about this all the time, and they do fear missing out, and it really does cloud their entire behavior. The early bird gets the worm, Dr. Rosen. <laughs> well, they think so. Isn't least. that funny? The early tweeter or, you know, the early follower of a Facebook page doesn't get a worm. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like we're wired to, be, to take advantage, which is, I guess, why it's creating anxiety in us. Our body is used to, you know, if, you know, if, if a bird falls, first one to the bird gets to eat the bird. Now the bird is just a Twitter feed. That's a very good analogy, actually, and very cute. Very punny. Well, you know, that's what it's about. <laughs> Keeping it light. But it's light. very true. I mean, we are all, and it's not just young people, by no, the way. No, it's I'm not 63. at all. I'm 63, and I have the same relationship to my phone as my 23 to 38-year-old yeah. kids have. It's, it's no different. It's just I've been conditioned that way, mm-hmm. as have many people outside of the range of the sort of net generation, high generation. But I love that you're doing like just the tech break. I mean, it, it's a, it's a, to me, it's telling your people, your children, your family that we're going to, we're going to exercise some agency on this. We're going to make some choices and not just react to our technology. We're going to actually lead it a little bit. We're going to take breaks and we're going to u- get used to not having to answer it every single second, every single time. That's it's right. character. And there's another really great strategy. Yeah. Um, and it comes from, interestingly enough, from sleep research. Sleep research showed that we sleep in 90-minute cycles. Um, and what we also found is that your daily activities are sort of in 90-minute cycles, too. And, and we know this because about every hour and a half or two hours, we need to get up and stretch, we yeah. need a coffee break, get a glass of water, whatever. So what I recommend is that every 90 minutes to two hours, when you're heavily involved in technology, which we all are, that you do something for about five or ten minutes that we know clears your brain, resets your brain. And there's a whole litany of things that now neuroscience know kind of clear out that clutter from too much technology. Mm-hmm. For example, um, there's research that shows that if you go outside and look at nature, your brain calms down almost immediately. Really? And they've seen this by watching people, having people wear an EEG cap and walk yeah. say, from a busy neighborhood into a green belt into a you know, park or yep. something, and their brain activity calms down immediately. So take 10 minutes, go outside, look at the trees, walk around, smell the air, and unless you're in Los Angeles, <laughs> at which point the air's not smellable. Stay inside and smell the air. Stay inside and smell the air. But then there are other things. You can exercise for 10 minutes. Um, that does it. You can do mindful meditation for 10 minutes. That does it. You can speak a foreign language. That turns out to use a totally different part of your brain. Huh. You can talk to a friend, but live or on the phone, but it has to be a positive conversation. Right. Don't get, yeah, into... Don't talk to somebody that you're going to get into an argument about. So there's lots of things you can do, and we pretty much know what calms our brains. Every 90 minutes to two hours, if you're heavily involved in technology, do one of those. You'll find that you're, you come back more refreshed and able to, to really proceed at what you were yeah. working on. Seems like instead we just kind of lean back in our chair, you know, go play an app. I go play Deer Hunter 2014, uh, which is where I pretend to be a hunter. And um, but th- th- then we end up – but you're not actually leaving technology, so you're not refreshing yourself. You're saying you kind of need to remove yourself and go do a real brain reset. Right, because one of the things that we know about technology, because it's so multisensory, it really activates your brain. Yeah, totally. It highly activates all your senses. Um, it activates your prefrontal cortex, which is the boss of your brain, where everything's going on. It highly activates your memory. 
And so you're really overloaded. Yeah. And you need a break. We need a break. Good stuff. We're talking with Dr. Larry Rosen. He's helping us uh, work through the psychology of technology. He's the author of Eye Disorders. We'll be right back. You can, by the way, find that book at his website, drlarryrosen.com. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're taking on your uh, technology and the psychological issues that flow from technology. You know, eye disorders, we're calling it. Eye with the letter I. We're not talking about your 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 ocular part of your body, as uh, our great little Sky Boy keeps saying. You mean my eye? No, we don't, Sky. We're talking about eye, like iPad, iPod, iBook. Is that an iBook? Yeah, there's there's iBooks. Yeah, but they're on your they're iPad, Pod, or phone. Thank you for that update. Scott. <laughs> uh, my, that's what my research shows, anyway. <laughs> that was really good. By the way, I appreciate your energy. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'd appreciate seeing some energy. I think I'm losing energy, so I probably need some more we, skittles. Maybe we probably overdosed you with skittles. I think I need more. That's Hypothetically, because we don't have skittles in the studio. Anyway, we're going to go now to our guest, Dr. Larry Rosen, is joining us, and um, he's uh, he's a, a blogger. He blogs on Psychology Today magazine. He also writes technology column for the newspaper, The National Psychologist. Dad of four kids, grandpa, and author of the book Eye Disorder: Understanding Our Obsession with Technology and Overcoming Its Hold. He also is the author of Rewired. And another book, Me, My Space, and I. So if you have kids that are, uh, you know, and you're trying to better understand how the impact of technology is is going to eventually, you know, hit their world, those are some books, at least I think Rewired, um, is, is, is that's really written, isn't it, for our children and for parents, right? Is that right, Dr. Rosen? Actually, the the Me, My Space, and I book was more for parents. Okay. And don't be, don't be turned off by the MySpace reference. Yeah. When I wrote it, MySpace was really... That was hot back then, wasn't it? And now it's really not, um, but it's still... The the thoughts are still the same. The Rewired book's actually for educators. Oh, that's right. It's how to take advantage of what our kids are doing regularly at home and how to get that into the educational system Yeah. so that our kids are engaged as much at school as they are at home. And then Eye Disorder, the book we're talking about now... You just basically get into the the disorders that uh, seem to flow from um, the use of technology, or kind of, I guess, the excessive use of technology. Exactly, exactly. For example, I mean, one of the one of the more fun ones is narcissism. We all know what a narcissist is. Yeah. Um, somebody who talks only about themselves and cares only about themselves. And one of the things that that you can do is you can you can actually go online and take Facebook, for example, and look at somebody's Facebook page and count the number of times they say I and me and compare that to the number of times they say any inclusive pronoun whatsoever, huh. we, they, us, them, whatever, and narcissists will be way higher on the I's and me's. Interesting. A little narcissism test. Yes. And That's so great. 
what you can do, and, and there, there's actually a strategy. If you find yourself doing this and you read back over your posts and say, I'm so narcissistic, yeah. I'm just saying, I, 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 me, me, me. What I recommend people do is they, they ne- avoid pressing the send button. What they do is they write something hmm. and walk away from it. Take a 30-second take a break, a one-minute break. Do something else. Check your email. I don't care what it is you do. Then come back and look at what you wrote. Count the number of I's and me's. Count the number of we's, they's, us, them's, you. See if you're sounding narcissistic, yeah. and then dial it back. You know what you're doing? You, every one of your examples so far, I know you've got a million others, um, but you're, you're really trying to get us to create a space, aren't you? Between yeah. So in that space, it's like, I guess we'll make better decisions, or at least informed decisions, and not just go with the obsession. Right, and part of it is... It's a bit of it's in, in response to people who believe that you should just unplug. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I, um, I've, I've been watching with interest these companies that spring up that have you up to the mountains for the weekend. Right. You put you know, your phone and all your devices in a bag, and you don't get them until the end of the weekend. <laughs> You're not allowed to check. There's no computers. It's supposed to rejuvenate you, refresh you. But the problem is you're really not training your brain. Right. Really not doing anything other than taking a weekend off. And so you come back, and you're still faced with you know, a thousand messages a day everywhere, and you still feel compelled to, to deal with them, and you, you find yourself jumping right back into your obsession. And so the key is to kind of slowly ease your way out, and it's, it's totally behaviorism. It's totally Skinnerian training, but you're literally training your brain to react differently to technology. Well, then you all, I mean, then you're the master of it. That's right. You're not its victim anymore. And you're not just your, your great technique of is not just avoidance. It's kind of it's it's effective usage. Right. It's facing your own usage, recognizing the obsession and then trying to write it out literally. Yeah. And to learn that you can survive and well, 30 minutes yeah. to us maybe seems like a long time to go without checking your phone. But I ask my students to, to do it on their own, and I have 450 students in class, and they almost to a person say, I couldn't unplug for an hour. Wow. I couldn't do it. I kept needing to check my phone. I kept needing to watch the TV. I kept needing to do this, that, and the other thing. And, and, so, and these are college students who are supposed to be able to focus in order to, yeah. <laughs> to, to do well. You know, it almost just parallels kind of the idea, too, of just exercise, though, where, I mean, the easier way is just not to exercise. And just right. not grow that muscle, not grow that strength, that integrity, that, you know, that, that ability. But the more you kind of discipline yourself, eventually it gets easier and easier to do. It also seems like you're going to eventually hand down some skills and some abilities to your kids that will right. One of those things, control example, stuff. I recommend that you don't allow any technology at the dinner table. Yeah. And if you can't stand it then what you do is declare a one-minute break in the middle of the dinner that everybody oh, yeah. goes to check their phones. Before dessert, before the second serving, second course. There you it's go. It's true, and, though, and but and another, again, a great break. Tech-free check, at tables. Check any restaurant. Walk around a restaurant, and you will see everybody has their phone on their table. Yeah. And why not take those phones, check them, put them away, pick them up halfway through your dinner. Everybody gets a check. You can share your posts, whatever, and put them away again so you can actually have a conversation with the people in front of you instead of the people out in cyberspace. Yeah, that's a great tip. 
And uh, obviously, no no tech in cars. Come on, you're driving. That That's another irony to me. You're driving 70 miles an hour, but this obsessiveness, you're not even noticing how deadly you are. Right, and and there's a there's a brilliant documentary on that just um, released. Um, my goodness, I can't remember the name of the documentary, but it just came out. If you just look at, uh, go online and, and Google texting and documentary, there's a, a famous documentarian who did it and posted it, and it's all about three instances of somebody who just thought that they could text uh, and and kill somebody. Yeah. And they, they all to a person said they just felt like, oh, it wasn't going to be a problem. They could just quick check it, and in that couple of seconds, boom, they smashed into a car. They hit somebody on the side of the road on a bicycle, on a buggy. Terrible, terrible stories. We, we overestimate, don't we? And I, I think this is just an inherent human issue where we overestimate how big this impacts us. We, we, we think it's not – we don't have it as bad. Do you well, we sense think that? We can handle it. Yeah. We think that it's just a momentary blip and we can handle it. And we can't. Right. We can't. I mean, and, you know, the statistics are very clear. You know, you just need to go online to find them, obviously. But every second you look away from your driving, you pass X number of feet and you miss X number of signs. Hmm. That's crazy. Uh, just for technology, what are some other. Uh, tricks, other techniques you've got, other strategies that you suggest. We've got a lot of like uh, taking a break, uh, you know, trying to increase our ability to go 15 minutes, eventually 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes tech-free, especially while we're working on something. What are some other tools you've seen that work? Well, I think the basic tool that works the best is what I would call metacognition, which is knowing how your brain works. Read a book on how your brain works. Find out what technology does to your brain. And I think then you'll find that it'll help you understand better mm. what's going on. Because the bottom line is, is that technology is, is inert. It's not doing anything. It's what your brain is doing when it responds to it. Right. And the key to me and to most of the research that I'm seeing these days is enveloped in what are called neurotransmitters in your brain. And the neurotransmitters are what lead to bodily responses and feelings, like the neurotransmitter of, of dopamine leads to a good feeling in your body, and you go, ooh, I'm happy. Yeah. It makes you feel good. On the other hand, the neurotransmitter of cortisol leads to a feeling of being stressed. Stressed, and yep. And so the key is to understand what this, what this technology can be doing to your brain and recognize that you can, you can train your brain. I mean, you can learn. We know that. Yeah. You can go to a class and listen and learn something. You read a book and learn something. You can learn about your brain and learn to calm it down and learn to not over, overreact um, to alerts, to notifications. Because right now we're acting a lot like Pavlov's dogs. Yeah. Our phone jingles in our pocket. Get it, get it, get it. We grab it. Right. And, and I, as I said earlier, we're, we're no longer even carrying our phone in our pocket. We're carrying it in our hands. Yeah, that was more accessible. We, we want to feel that alert immediately. Yeah. We want to get it after a microsecond as opposed to a few seconds. Like metacognition is, is our ability to think about really how we work, how we think. Right. Thinking about how we think. For example, I talk to my students in classes a lot about about whether they should use technology in class. And I, I'm one of those rare people who says, go for it. Yeah. Use it. But think about when you're going to use it. So I tell them, 
if you get a text, you have two choices. You can do a gut reaction, jam it, look at that text, respond immediately, but I can guarantee you that everything I said while you're doing that went over your Gone. head. Right. In one ear, out the other. So the key is, is to use metacognition to say, hmm, is this a good time for me to check the text? Or perhaps if I wait a couple minutes, he'll be boring me by talking about something that I know is not on the test, and so now I can check it. Yep. And we actually did that study. We brought students into class, and we texted them. We didn't know we were going to do this. We were really looking to see how many texts could we flood them with before they really messed up on learning. But we found that there was a group of people who used metacognition. Most people responded immediately to our text and texted back, and it affected their learning. Wow. A group of people waited one minute, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes to even read the text. They ignored it until it was a good time to not pay attention. Yeah. And, and then they actually, that, that seems like if they, if they did it kind of in that orderly, magne, me, metacognitive way, they would end up actually kind of telling everyone else that, oh, that they're a little slower texture, or that they're not as responsive, so it, they, would, they might slow down the other people as well. They start exactly. leading their life. Right, and, you know, we've all fallen into this trap, this sort of speed trap, not a radar speed trap, but a real speed trap, that we think just because texts seem to arrive with an alert yeah. that they deserve to be responded to immediately. Right. And, and they don't. We've carved that out. I mean, I know that if I text my daughter, for example, and she doesn't text me back immediately, I get anxious. Like, where is she? Mm-hmm. She's on her phone 24-7. But they also do it to me. Yeah. Dad, I texted you 20 minutes ago. You didn't text me back. What's going on? <laughs> Can a man not go to the bathroom? Without his family bothering <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. Almost everybody takes their phone into the bathroom. I know, and that's disgusting. Well, it's reality. That is our reality, like isn't it? We can't be without it. Yeah. What would happen? Heaven forbid. <laughs> Heaven forbid we actually take a little time for each other. Really? I just breathe. In my, in my mind that, that even though I stay up till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, my phone is off at 11. Oh, that's great. Anybody who needs to reach me after 11 knows that I'm really not reachable and that I'll get back to them the next morning. Now, 11 is enough time to get all the important messages taken care of. But I'm also saying I'm going to leave the last couple of hours at night for me just to relax. Those are for you, yeah. But we also know that using your smartphone in the last hour before you go to sleep and sleeping with it next to the bed are two things that lead to a lousy night's sleep. Well, in fact, we had an expert on saying that just the light itself is so bad for your brain. Your brain wakes up with that light, and it, it stimulates more of a desire to be awake. So don't... Well, what it does is it, it retards the production of melatonin, which is what puts you to sleep. See. Um, we actually did a study, and we found it, it was a minor effect. Yes, the light did affect you, but it really was more the constant multitasking in the last hour before you go to sleep with your smartphone. Interesting. It and we have no idea. And it's it really, I mean, that's that's like unhealthy for us, and yet we just cuddle up to it in bed. That's right. Well, I, your introduction of the, the, your wife with the phone. Yeah. We wake up to it. We go to sleep with it. Most people now grab their phone before they get out of bed. Mm. You don't even wake. We don't even have the luxury of, you know, stretching out and waking up and feeling that, you know, I got a good night's sleep or I got a bad yeah. night's sleep or whatever. We don't have that luxury. We immediately grab our phone and our brain starts Pop it. Here we go. Game on. Man, that's sad. Well, everybody's got to get the book, Dr. Rosen. I've loved chatting with you. Um, give us one. we got about 30 seconds. What would you say is the one thing 
So if you had to have one point, maybe you've already said it, what's the one thing we should all remember when it comes to our technology and our sanity? The one thing to remember is that nobody is forcing you to grab that phone and respond immediately. Nobody is making you feel those vibrations. You are doing it to yourself. It's reduce you. Reduce the anxiety, learn some tricks to reduce the anxiety, and learn that you can live without it for 20, 30 minutes and do just fine. Yeah. And nothing around you falls apart. Love that. Dr. Larry Rosen, so appreciate it. Again, everybody listening, go check it out. I Disorder is the name of the book. Understanding our obsession with technology and overcoming its hold on us. You can get it uh, at uh, drlarryrosen.com. I guess, can they get that anywhere just out in the regular bookstores? Oh, of course. Amazon, everywhere. You name it, it's there. Dr. Rosen, appreciate it. We're going to take a break and uh, come back. We're going to come back and blow up Facebook a little bit. Just kind of make fun of the uh, some of the crazy things, that uh, annoying things about Facebook. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. To the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about the psychology of technology. You know, we all have a friend on Facebook that we wish would stop showing up on our news feed. Maybe like when Sky Boys got a new leotard or a new cape that he's sporting around on a non-Halloween um, Eve. But from the politically challenged or charged to the publicly emotional, our own Hannah Montana is going to tell us about a few Facebook blow-up problems. There are a lot of things I hate about Facebook. Poking, bad tagged photos, creepy ads, Facebook relationship gossip, the list goes on and on. But more than anything, I hate when people abuse status updates. And it's not just what they're posting, it's the kind of people that are posting. So I've summed them up into eight categories. Number one, the politically charged friend. Some blanket statement about your candidate with a link with quantifiable evidence that your candidate wants to start World War III. Number two, the publicly emotional. I do not need to know the gory details of your relationship, and I swear, if I have to read Taylor Swift lyrics one more time, I might die. Number three, the new mom. You know, at first it's cute, I see a couple photos of your baby, but then every day for the next 18 years, my newsfeed is flooded. Forever. It sucks. Number four, newlyweds. Somehow they find a way to shove their happiness down your throat. My wife is amazing. I love her more than anyone has ever loved anyone because my capacity to love is that much greater than yours. Cool story, bro. Number six, the liker. Have you ever noticed that every single thing you post ever in the history of ever on Facebook has been liked by the same person and that they also like everyone else's stuff? It's weird. Number seven, too vague or requiring follow-up questions. I can't believe this awful thing happened to me. Or depressing song lyrics. Uh, really? R- really? And finally, number eight, the hacked statuses. <laughs> My friend left their Facebook logged in. I'm going to post something hilarious. Yeah, it's never hilarious. Fortunately, Facebook has redeemed themselves by creating the option to hide your friend's post. So, whether they are politically charged or publicly emotional, you can hide it. Well done. Hannah Montana, 
Uh, the politically charged people drive me crazy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but that's always around like election time. Yeah, it only happens, you know, every three and a half years. But then there's the still annoying. But the publicly emotional, it it drives me crazy. But it's pretty funny. <laughs> like it's funny to watch I actually, a meltdown. Like, I have a couple friends that I actually will occasionally go and look at their page just because I think it's funny because you know, they have so many posts that I'm like, wow, yeah. I really did not need to know that. Did you hear, did you hear Sky talking a minute ago um, during your segment, by the way? That was so rude. Which wasn't very friendly. But I'm like, Sky, what do you use Facebook for? And he just says three things. Boom. He just like nailed three, just three things. And then I took notes because I didn't want to forget them. He said, number one, um, I like to stalk others. <laughs> so he uses Facebook to stalk other people. Twisting my words around. B, two, he likes to shop for outfits. Again, I don't think that was and even related three, to anything I said. he likes to stalk others. And he didn't realize that two of the three were stalking. But he doesn't call it stalking. He just calls it, uh, in a creepy way, just following everyone else's life and weird breathing heavy. Yeah. That, that was a little long. A lot of people call it cute. But... <laughs> and you, are you saying you didn't say that? Okay, but... That's not, that's not what I said, really. But... <sighs> I haven't been single in a long time, but I still have a lot of friends that are very much single, and they're always Facebook stalking people they're interested yeah, in. That's and it's so funny. They're yeah. just like, like, what does this all mean? I feel like it's a, a terrible idea to Facebook stalk someone. Well, especially if you could get caught. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I... <laughs> When you're older, you don't you're, – you're more like you stalk not to be creepy, but you stalk just like to covet. Yeah. It's more like, oh, man. They – wow. Look what they've they done went with from their a, lives. They went from a great boat to a fantastic boat. Man, I'd give anything to have a boat. Stuff like that. I'm more like, whoa. Look at those abs. <laughs> Wish I had an ab. <laughs> just one stuff like that. Unab. But I have never, uh, I've never gone on Facebook to shop for outfits, Sky. So just tell us about that real quick. Well, you know how they have put like the little ads yeah. on the side. Uh-huh. I don't know how they do it, but they—it's magic. They like put ads according to what you like. Mm-hmm. So I just get on Facebook and look at those ads and click on. So those ads, like what you know, was... honestly, I didn't say that. No, because. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Oh, don't back out of it. Okay, now. okay. Yeah, you're, I do. You're that. committed. Yeah. Um, That's how I shop. What for ads, clothes. just for fun, what ads come up on yours? Because that would actually tell us what you. For real, what ads come up on mine? Yeah. Um, I get a lot of ads for plugins, which are. Are those the air fresheners? Close. Okay. So it's. Yeah, plug in air freshener. So apparently, <laughs> apparently they know that you like your house to smell good. Yeah, or the, it, or not, the not those type of bad. plugins actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, what are you talking about? Um, so, do you know what Pro Tools is? Yeah. Okay, so with Pro Tools, which is a recording software, yeah, in layman's terms, um, they you can have a plugin and get a drum plugin, and have, they're they're basically effects that you can use for audio. Yeah. Okay. Let's not use your. Let's use my <laughs> definition of plugins, which are those nicely scented things that blow beautiful. Okay. That's really what I get those ads. a lot of creepy Christian single ads mm. where it's like some guy holding a shirt halfway up. It's like, come meet Christian singles. And, and what's what? the deal with Christian Why? singles? Shirts coming off. I have no idea. It's shouldn't, so if it was creepy. A Christian single ad shouldn't they like be in a gown? Or like a paper bag a or something. Or, or shouldn't like a Bible be falling out of their shirt yeah, or something? Yeah, that I don't would know. make a lot yeah. of sense. That's why you said creepy. Know. 
That's why I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. That's interesting. And Sky, one more that I did when I looked over your shoulder and saw you doing Facebook. Uh, I also saw some more ads for leggings. Which? I, what is a legging? Legging is like it's like nylons, but a lot thicker. It's like cotton. Exactly. So we have plug-in air fresheners, leggings, and capes, uh, and hair conditioner. Yeah. Oh. Well, the leggings are for, you know, when I'm fighting crime and it's cold outside. Okay. Is that the story we're telling? Sometimes the leotard doesn't keep me warm. <laughs> so I have to put that on. And then I have to look good. Hey, I'm not judging I have to it. look good. I'm not judging Being it. a superhero isn't just about being buff and saving the world and helping people. You have to well, look good while you do it. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, my wife's on Facebook a lot for me. My wife runs my Facebook page. But you know what? It's one of the best pages on the earth. So if you're cool and you want to be enlightened regularly, I'd go check me out on Facebook. Not your, to brag. Your, your things come up a lot on mine, actually. I know. Yeah, your statuses. Yeah. You posted the one with the baby crying the other day. Did I? Yeah. How did so it you go? didn't even know about I it. I did. No, I did. Oh, okay. I, just, I meant I did. Yeah, I, I did. It wasn't a question. It was a statement. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Not did I. That was backwards. Duh. Well, we're going to come back, uh, and when we come back, Kimberly Giles is going to be joining us. She's going to talk about FOMO, which is the fear of missing out. You know, apparently we've all got this inherent fear inside of us that we're missing something. And that's really true when it comes to technology. We're going to take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Skyboy just shot his laser gun. Did you hear that, Kim? Woo! It goes... Yeah, he plays that all day long. <laughs> so cute. There it is again. He's shooting his lasers. Anyway, welcome back to the program. Today we're talking psychology of technology, and we brought in the guru. Kim Giles is here. Uh, she likes us to call her Her Excellency. <laughs> Is that right, Kimberly? You really like that intro with me. I do. I don't know why. Because she, she so would never ask for that. She does only like to have green Skittles in her green room and drink yep, water from it. a mountain well. Fresh spring water. Fresh spring water from a mountain well. <laughs> Kimberly Giles is the president and founder of Clarity Point Life Coaching. She's a popular life coach, author, speaker, she was named, by the way, hello, one of the top 20 advice gurus in the world. I don't know if it was world. <laughs> it was actually country. <laughs> by Good Morning America in 2010. I like the world title, though. Well, last time I was on, you said it was the galaxy. I did so say I've galaxy. So I slipped, actually. In fact, let's make a correction. <laughs> galaxy. Uh, is there anything bigger than a galaxy? Solar system. Is the solar system bigger? No, it's not. No, galaxy's no. bigger. Galaxy's bigger. We need something bigger than a galaxy. Will you work on that, Sky? On it. Okay. That'll, that means we'll get it next year. <laughs> By about January, we'll have an answer to that. But uh, Kimberly has published over 240 articles in newspapers and magazines. You can find uh, her website, claritypointcoaching.com. Bomb delicious FOMO. What is it? 
The fear of missing out. Yeah, I wasn't even close when I guessed that. I had never heard of FOMO. You haven't.、Mm-mm. Yeah, it's、uh, it's like a diagnosis yeah, these days. I'm hearing it.、I'm, in fact, we just had a psychologist say it. Yeah, FOMO, fear of missing out. And it's not just an internet thing, though. I think that has really aggravated it、right. to extreme proportions. Yeah, now we notice it a lot more, don't we? Yeah, because we all know that our life would be probably less stressful and maybe more happy if we quit Facebook. Oh yeah. I mean, there's no doubt it increases your stress level. They've done tests, yeah, and they've done tests that show people are getting Facebook depression. The more time they spend on it, the the worse they feel about their life. They're、That's、getting caught、pathetic. up in the envy and the social、yeah. comparison too much. And what if you use Facebook to just feel better than everyone? That seems like that would be actually very productive in a negative way. <laughs> in a really negative way. But it's like because some people use it. I guess we all use it differently, but some are getting depressed, and then some are like getting overly inflated. But don't you think, on、Either、some way, level, everybody's、up. using it as a PR campaign?、Yeah. You're putting out this. This is who I want you to all、yeah. think I That's am. That's it, because it's we get to scope that message. So you'd think、right. it would actually be good for our self-esteem, because we're actually creating our own messaging. <laughs> Right? It's just the only thing is、accurate. that we're comparing it with everybody else's message,、yeah. and no matter how great you are, you're going to find people、That's、who、right. are more photogenic and more clever、oh, and、yeah. funny. And right, I hate that. Yeah. So worse though might be these other ones that just have pictures. You know? Oh,、uh, this just in: Skyboy Planet is、uh, smaller than Solar System, Solar System Galaxy, Galaxy Universe. Oh, so apparently、universe. you are the one of the top twenty advice gurus in the universe. Okay, I'm glad we settled that. As see, this one was put together by Good Morning America. This you, we, you can just say on the Matt Townsend show, I was noted as let's just say the number one advice guru in the universe. In the universe,、put、I'll have to add、resume. that to my resume. Yeah, do that. I, I see, will see what that you will you. see it on my website. According to Matt Townsend, pretty sure that won't get you very far. <laughs> Might get you. No,、nope, it won't. So okay, we've got this obsession of where we want to not ever miss out on anything. Well, this is the reason we can't stop, and my husband is a perfect example because he keeps every couple months. Forget it, I'm deleting my account. Does he really? So he, he builds it, it, deletes、out. it, builds it, deletes it. Well, I guess you can just turn okay, it off, turn it so it's、okay. still there. Yeah, but yeah, he turns it off. I'm done. But then, is he mad when he's doing this? Like, what moves him to like?、Oh, I'm done. Well, it's a it's a time waster. Honestly, it, it really is. It's a time waster. Yeah, I agree. And he also is probably one of the politically charged people that Tana Montana was talking does about. Does he talk about that? Then does he bring out his? He his does,、politics? and it's not it every four years, boy. He lives. It's it. all the time, and he gets so riled up about it that I think he's decided. Okay, if I just don't <laughs> do it, then do people comment? Is、oh that yeah. What, so then he gets so he just gets fed up, and then he just like I'm not doing that anymore. So the funny thing is, he canceled his Facebook and he started Twitter. And I was teasing him because he's on Twitter all the time,、yeah. following all the Fox News people.、Yeah. But he has no followers himself. <laughs> he posts all this stuff. Yeah, I'm like, babe, do you want me to get on and follow yeah, you so you at least have、follower. somebody? If he had a follower, he'd probably feel better. He probably would feel better about himself. That's a great.、Idea. I keep meaning to do that. <laughs> yeah, if you loved him, Kimberly, you would have done that a long time I ago. I would have. Oh, oh well, bad wife. You're a bad, bad wife. But I know with Facebook, with myself, I started it because I wanted to stay connected to people I care about. Yeah. 
And it does give you a chance to do that. I mean, I have clients that I coached 10 years ago, and I love these people. Yeah. And Facebook lets me kind of totally. know what's going Great on in their life. Great tool yeah. But I am kind of afraid if I don't – I'm not on it anymore. If I don't check it every day, something will happen in their life and I'll miss it. Yeah. And I'll feel terrible. Isn't that FOMO? Yeah. <laughs> you've got – you've self-diagnosed FOMO. I really do. But see, like I don't grow mine. My business one we grow – but I don't pay attention to the other one. And so my personal one dies, but it's because I don't want to get involved. I mean, that's just too much. Yeah. But don't you think some relationships should just go away? <laughs> like, yeah, some come of those on. ones in high school, maybe yeah, we should just, just let it let go. Let them go. We don't have to keep them alive just because we can. So I think you've got to ask yourself some questions about why you're spending time there. Right. Is this about trying to look good to other people? Right. Um, I mean, if you're doing it to market a business, yeah, then that's all. That makes so sense. I see that as a business side, but I mean, I want to help people, but I don't want it to become my obsession, my life. Yeah, your part-time job, right? And there's no end because there's how many different forms of social media now? How many different tools can you use? Yeah. When does that end? My kids keep saying you should do Instagram, Mom. You have like yeah. 200 followers and you've never logged on. <laughs> Well, I can't manage anything yeah. more than the one thing I do. I have a, I had an older uh, lady call it Instacare. Instacare? Which is a local <laughs> hospital clinic here in Utah. So she calls it – I don't do that Instacare thing, but I do do Facebook. Oh, good. Stay away from Instacare. Yeah. That's I try, I try to avoid Instacare. When they're sick. <laughs> now, the FOMO though – it shows up in other areas of your life yeah. because I've got clients who have fear of missing out about like their weekend plans. They don't yeah. want to commit to anything because a better offer might come yeah. along. And so I've got to – and then i got to decide which thing to do. And if totally. whatever one I choose, I'm missing out on something else. See, and they have anxiety, yeah, that's, that's anxiety about it. That's, there's, because you got to live. I mean this is – that's a first world problem. Well, we've got to make choices. Right. I have a client who has trouble ordering in a restaurant. Really? Because if I order the hamburger or think that I miss out on that pasta and yeah. what if that would have been better and I have so much stress about it. Isn't that interesting? What do you tell her? Well. Just okay. order. <laughs> We've got to deal with the fear the of the regret of the stuff we're missing. I have another client recently who's been dating a guy for a year and can't commit because she's afraid somebody better might come along. But if she lets him go, then yeah, she's lost something. Maybe he was the best thing, and so, so this shows up all over the place. And do you think this is a new phenomenon? What did, I mean is this? Did, we didn't have this twenty years ago, thirty years ago, forty years ago. I don't know. I I think some people did. Yeah, but I I wonder if it isn't getting more yeah, common. I think it is that we're having more fear of making the wrong choices. Well, and we're also buying into more and more stories and advertising and last chance to buy whatever. Oh, boy. And then a week later, hey, last chance for real to buy. I mean, the reality is, is we're so marketing. We've learned through marketing. A lot of us haven't even studied some of these things out. We've just been marketing. So we probably have been brainwashed to some degree with the fear of missing out on things. Yeah. And like that there is this one – there's the one. There's the one guy you're going to miss and if you don't – and there's that one meal. And if you don't have that one meal, whoa, why did you go eat? So I'll tell you how I work with what my clients you? who really struggle with yes. this a lot. 
is every time you have to make a decision, you kind of, at the end of the day, follow your gut. Yeah. You have a gut nudge in one direction or the other. Yeah. We all get that. A gut nudge. Nudge. Okay. I've, I've heard, okay, a gut I nudge. I think I coined that I love term. that. <laughs> so that would be your gut leading you to one direction or another. Uh, it's yeah. kind of like going to tip the scale. And you know, with students in tests, they yeah. say whatever your gut, your first gut nudge is, mm-hmm. is probably the right answer. And yeah. if you doubt yourself yeah. and change it, you'll probably get it wrong. Have you ever seen Sky's gut nudge? <laughs> Horrible. It's the worst nudge you've ever seen. <laughs> anyway, don't know what we're talking about. But um, I, I totally agree. Your gut kind of knows, right? And if you tip it and kind of go with it, then it's 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 at least a better – it's better than guessing. It is. And then – You've got to commit and get in trust that your gut nudged you in that direction for a reason. And that choice was your perfect option. And it's going to be the best journey for you. And so even with simple things like in a restaurant, let's say you go with the pasta. It ends up not being that good. Well, you end up getting stomach poison, food poisoning. (laughs) It's terrible. Okay. Yeah. Let's go there. Okay. So – I still know my gut nudged me in that direction. Well, someone say, well, God wanted you to have stomach flu. Well, I don't bring necessarily okay. God that he right. wanted me to no. suffer. But, but, but the good universe learning. provides lessons. Yeah. And so I think my gut nudged me in that direction because I needed to have an experience with disappointment. Because yeah. that's one of the beautiful many dimensions of the human condition we yeah. get to experience while we're here. Right. And some days it's my turn to experience disappointment. Yeah. It's, and, and it's it's kind of random. Like it doesn't – I mean it's – it is what it is. Just learn. Move on. You'll have another choice tomorrow. Gut you, nudge it. Yeah, you will. <laughs> you will. So we've got to let go of this wallowing in regret yes. thing about all the roads we didn't take that maybe we should have uh, what if, taken. What if? Uh, what if? You could drive yourself crazy oh, your yeah, People do, don't they? They do. See, that's – in fact, I remember in learning of research that the more – you studied something out, the more buyer's remorse you were going to have. So the more really? you've invested in the decision, the more likely you are to have remorse for making the decision. Because you knew too much about mm-hmm. the other options. That so has it's almost to be like what it sometimes is. It is, exactly. So sometimes just being ignorant and kind of quickly like taking the nudge, let's go this way. It's kind of better for you. Because you didn't overinvest. Investing a lot in it gives you more and more complexity. But it's interesting. Like, I wonder if that's what your client does. Is she maybe not wanting to make a decision? People start thinking. They get too heady about it, and their head starts making and thinking more iterations. Well, and they're making this small decision into this big yeah. deal yeah. where it's tomorrow it's, it's not going to be that Worst case scenario, buy another meal. Let's switch your husband. I'll eat my wife's meal. I make my husband <laughs> switch with me on occasion. That's right. It's just a meal. Yeah. That's huge. Okay, that's a so great So we got to put things in proportion – and we got to be in trust a little bit. I believe that your journey is always the perfect classroom yeah, journey for you. And every day, whatever path you take is the perfect lesson you needed yeah, that day. Right. And I have people say to me, well, you can't really prove that's true. Maybe life is just a bunch of random and it doesn't have purpose and meaning and no. all the choices you make. But I think we talked about on the show one time that yeah. deciding to see every choice as perfect. Yeah. That it was going to teach you something kind of cuts down on the stress and fear that you have yeah. around it. Well, you own it. It's yours. Yeah. It's yours. So embrace it. Yeah. Next time, let's remember. Let's not do the pasta. Just remember that. So you learned a good lesson. 
I, I like that. I, I like uh, – what do you call it? In trust. What do you call that? You say make the decision and then it's almost like you just have to tr- be in trust with the decision. Is that what you're saying? That's the way I always say it. I, I make the choice to be in trust that it was the right decision mm-hmm. for me. And, and Even no matter how it turns right. out. Well, and it's it's a decision. I mean really think of how many decisions you make in a day. It's just a decision. So I, I, I get this uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. I get that like when it's, you know, who should I marry? But it's still just a choice and you'll move on and there will be others and you'll get another chance and you'll find a better way. You'll, you'll work through it. You're not, yeah. a, you're not a leaf just blowing in the wind. Well, and if you get in paralysis and you never make choices, isn't that worse than making a choice and at least moving forward with your life and going somewhere? Yeah. Because you're not learning anything if you just stay at home in undecision. How many times have you heard someone say, just, you know, oh, and then the marriage is going bad. And then, oh, I knew, I knew I shouldn't have married him. And you're thinking, well, obviously you didn't know that because you married the dude. Oh, yeah. And then they start rewriting their story. Don't well, go back know, and question it. My first it. marriage didn't work out. Yeah. No, they don't. Some don't. And I had doubts, but I think everybody kind of does. Is not 100% sure. But at the end of the day, I still, my yeah. gut was nudging me to go through with it. Yeah. And even though it didn't end up well, I learned more sure. from that experience, from those, that all the things that happened in that relationship taught me amazing lessons. Yeah. Who's to say that wasn't the right choice? Well, and you also can't, I don't think, with today's uh, emotion, re-explain and explore where you past. were then. I mean, twenty years ago, you were a young, yearning kind of dumb woman, <laughs> naive or whatever, to the world, and it made perfect sense. And now, and by the way, once we're burnt out on our marriage, it's not a great time to evaluate why we did it anyway. We're going to use You're the in a, chemistry too much of right. a different place. Yeah, then so we you embrace history. the lessons. Right. Learn. And move forward because exactly. you got all this great future ahead of you. I love the uh, – that's that. If we could get humans to just accept their choice and know that tomorrow's another choice, 50 more tomorrow. Let's go. Keep moving. And Keep whatever moving. you choose, it's going to serve you on some level. I yeah. really believe I the that. universe no, is conspiring to serve you whether mm-hmm. you see it or not. And you're going to learn one way or another. So whatever choice you make could be the right one. Did you get that, Sky? Yep. I got it. You didn't listen to a word we said, did you? No, you said one way or another, and it started made me think of that one song. One yeah. way or another. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> See, Kim, no, don't, don't play with I him. I know like that, that song. Kim, yeah. Don't, don't, don't let him go there. Will, I, Kim, you're the best. Uh, in fact, apparently um, the best in the universe. Thank you. I'm going to work on that resume update as soon as I Go to her website, <laughs> Clarity Point Coaching. Kim's going to stick with us, though. We're coming back to uh, wrap up the show with a little bit of a game. Sometimes what we call a game is not really a game, but this is going to be a fun game. What hashtag would you use is the game. We're going to make up hashtags for certain scenarios. Hmm. Tons okay. of fun. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Today we're playing the show, What Hashtag Would You Use? Now the host of What Hashtag Would You Use? The biggest hashtag of them all, Bryce Lamar Tobin. Bryce, 
Matt, do you know what a hashtag is? Do you know how a hashtag works? Well, I saw uh, Skyboy had a hashtag hanging under his arm. <laughs> it's actually a skin tag. And oh, it's that's cancerous. a skin tag. And he should be... Which is different than a hashtag. He should really go see a doctor. Boy, I just cringed when... I like my skin tag. (laughs) Okay, hashtag. Hashtag is what we use in the Twitter sphere, right? That's where it started. Um, It's expanded to other things, but pretty much it's the pound sign. If you see a pound sign, a tic-tac-toe sign. A tic-tac-toe sign if you're from the 30s. Um, okay. You put it in front in front of a word or a combination of words. Pretty much, it's useful for searching, or it's useful for linking two separate things. Well, together. how do I know what hashtags everyone's using to hashtag it? Uh, you got to play the game, and it's one of those unwritten rules. You can't just. I know. have a bad feeling since we we started this game not even knowing what a hashtag was. <laughs> We're in trouble. You know, but this the is what part, makes it more fun. The <laughs> fun part about there not being any written rules. You can make it anything you want. You can kind of make okay. it. If it okay. works, so you're going to give works. us a scenario and then we're going to hashtag it. Okay. So I'm going to give you an example. Okay. Okay. So you can know what to work with. Okay. This is easy. Um, okay. So the first situation, you just went to dinner at Chipotle with your siblings. Okay. I'd say hashtag food, hashtag family, hashtag uh, overeating, hashtag okay. uh, bloating, hashtag, Good. you know, yeah. things like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So now, now I'm gonna go like I'm gonna go person by person, but I'm gonna scare you because I'm okay. not gonna tell you who it is. Okay. But I'll give you the second scenario. Okay? okay. You opened your fridge and a jar of jam fell out. Hannah. Okay. What's what would you hashtag? Uh, hashtag messy. Hashtag cleanup. Hashtag annoying. Wow. Hashtag broken glass at my feet. Wow. That's you. That's me. Hashtag, I want to do one. Hashtag uh, jam bomber. You know, sure, why not? Maybe it'll work. Do you think anyone else has hashtag jam bomber? I don't think so. See, so you I'm, could be starting a, the trend. I'm a leader. But that's what hashtags do. They kind of okay. start the trend. I like this. You like it? Yeah. Okay. But you have to think, okay, yeah, I got it. I'm ready. All right, third scenario. You saw a homeless man wearing great shoes. Then you realized it was a girl in a Halloween costume. Sky. Hashtag surprise. <laughs> Hashtag transvestite. Hashtag bad Halloween costumes. <laughs> Hashtag uh, somebody mugged for their shoes. Hashtag pay less. <laughs> Hashtag never mind. Okay. This is Hash- fun. Hashtag never mind. Right, Kim, you haven't, you haven't hopped in. <laughs> Kim's I'm, not just. I'm, you, I'm this so next one's in. you. Okay, okay, this next one's you. I'll, be, one. I'll, I'll go slow. Okay. Um, YouTube isn't working. Hashtag end of the world. Yes, perfect. <laughs> that is a that is an actual common hashtag. Are you serious? All right, yes. I'm. Don't, I'm catching on. So, so I, I guess our I goal is I still don't understand have... how on Twitter I then see all the hashtag end of the world. No, but somebody then could go in Dude, on Twitter I... and search hashtag end of the world, and then and I guess it would pull up everybody all of them. that had used yes. hashtag end of the world would come up. Yes. And where they used wow. it, I guess, and how they used it. Uh, no, it just it just does it chronologically. Okay. So like, if you just did it, you'd be like you'd the be first there. one. But there's something the like trendsetter. Like right now, if like last night, if you did like hashtag MBA, like you'd be yeah. covered in a mountain of other hashtag MBAs. So you probably wouldn't, you know. So you got to oh, be a little okay. more creative. than You got to be. See, like mine, we're more like creative. clever. Yeah. Okay. Jam bomber. Okay. Okay. Let's do another one. How, many, how much more time do we have? We're doing good. Okay, we're doing good. All right. Um. Your favorite movie star just got a role in the new Star Trek and or Marvel movie. This one's open to anyone. Oh, hashtag Julia Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> She's your favorite celebrity. 
She is right now. Hashtags, they bring out the truth. <laughs> I was going to say Julie Andrews, but I said Julia Roberts. How about hashtag, good decision. <laughs> hashtag JJ Abrams should uh, make the uh, Heroes movie that we've all been waiting for? Okay, that was a little bit too much for her. Yeah, that's actually that's an a actual tweet. That seems like a you can still major hashtag. You can still make, how about just hashtag JJ Abrams, hashtag I love you, hashtag uh, hero worship, hashtag um, I need to find hashtag someone else. Hashtag who like. is JJ Abrams? He is the director of the Star Trek movies. Hashtag thank you. That was in my Hashtag name. you're welcome. Hashtag I'm totally lost. <laughs> Do we have to say hashtag when we say hey, when that, we're playing this game? Hold on. That's how a hashtag works. <laughs> hashtag thank you. You have to put the hashtag first. It's, okay. I got it now. I'm exhausted. Hashtag exhausted. There you go. No, perfect. That's perfect. Thank you. Matt, you're getting it. By Jove, he's got it. What movie is that from? Hashtag who's Jove? Hashtag my fair lady. Jove or Job? Joe. I thought it was Jove. Was it, no, it was Job. Job. Like, by Joe. Joe? I thought it was Jove. I thought, by Jove. Isn't that what they say? Hey, if you know if it's I'm Job, sure Job, it's or Job, it's give Bob. us a call. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. Okay. You got another one? Okay, okay one more. Um, you got a new gun on Deer Hunter 2014? Matt. Hashtag brain blowout. <laughs> hashtag victory. Hashtag. <laughs> hashtag kill him good. Uh, what's another hashtag? Hashtag... Need bullets. Yeah. Need bullets. Oh, hashtag. <laughs> okay. Hashtag You've never played energy. 2014, have you? Deer I Hunter 2014. I didn't even know what you're talking about. It's the greatest app in the history of the world. It's an app. Mm-hmm. We're trying really hard to get them to sponsor us. Really, that's what we're doing. We're not working. It's not happening very well because we work so hard to be hunters, even though we're not. All right. I even bought an orange Maybe shirt. Maybe you need more to do. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Well, this was fun and enlightening. Let's do a hashtag for the show and wrap it up. Hashtag fun show. Hashtag fun show, okay? Hashtag deer in the headlights, Kim Giles. Hashtag updating my resume. Oh! Hashtag uh, queen of the universe. Well, that got pretty serious pretty fast. (laughs) Hashtag Hannah Hannah Montana. Hashtag feeling healthy today. Hashtag actually slept. Hashtag Skittles. Hashtag let's go. It's time to go. Hashtag wrap it up. <laughs> We're out of here, folks. It's a wrap. We're all hashtagged out. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow with more fun and excitement. Uh, and hashtags, of course, right here on BYU Radio.